Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and that was Lucinda Drayton on her Bliss album. What a powerful track. That was the one when she and her husband were actually deciding to severe ties after many, many years and actually building a very successful band together in the U.K. 
And um, I guess you get to a point sometimes that you just, I wouldn't say outgrow each other, but maybe you're just outgrowing yourself and the energies just don't connect anymore. And sometimes that's painful. And sometimes it can be a celebration because uh, we weren't happy in the first place. And moving out into our own lone space gave us that sense of freedom and that sense of comfort that we knew we were supposed to have when we were in that relationship. But for some reason, we couldn't find the space. Couldn't find it in the kitchen, couldn't find it in the bedroom, couldn't find it in the bathroom, (laughs) couldn't find it with the kids, couldn't find it at work. And so every so often, we do need that lone space, not as a negative towards the person, but to just find our own breath and our own pause. We're glad that you can tune into America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and we are pleased that for seven years we're on the air and we're doing exceptionally well without much, too much, any commercialization. Really, we've kept it very sincere, very genuine. I had realized for myself, I said, you know what, I don't want to put on an extra little act or anything. If this is going to go the long haul, let me just be me and whoever tunes into that energy and vortex, then wonderful. But I'm doing the show to learn so much about myself as well because I learn a lot from every guest that comes on the air. Today we're privileged to have Dr. Drain Greer, who is a marriage and family therapist, author, radio host, psychotherapist, creator of the popular celebrity relationship commentary, Shrink Rap, which I can't wait to hear more about, with Dr. Jane Greer. On what we can learn from the trials and triumphs of celebrity relationships, through her media collaborations and expert insights, Dr. Grace recognizes as a leading national expert in love and relationships. Dr. Grace's Doctor on Call radio show features conversations on life, love, and relationships with actors, authors, bloggers, journalists, comedians, you name it. She also does a weekly shrink wrap segment on News at 7 at HealthyLie.net. She's author of five books about navigating relationships, including her latest, What About Me? Stop Selfishness from Ruining (laughs) Your Relationships. She has appeared on so many television shows, including CBS, CNN, Anderson Cooper, and much more. We're so privileged to have Dr. Drain Greer to America Meditating Radio. Hi, Dr. Greer. Thank you and welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And you know what's so funny? A lot of times, because my name is uh, Greer, and so many times I get called Dr. Green, Dr. Gray, (laughs) but I'm very often a color, but it is Greer, just so that everybody out there, in case they want to check anything out, knows that it's Greer, not Gray. (laughs) But I just wanted to, you know, just to clarify. Clarify. I will tell you honestly, as doing radio myself many times. Well, Dr. Greer, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. You've been helping thousands of people to somehow navigate through this incredible process called human relationships. First and foremost, the relationship we need to have with me, with myself. Right. And then able to extend that to a partner, to a colleague at work, to everything, to nature, to the environment. Could you share with our amazing audience, what is it that actually inspired you to get into marriage counseling and, and family therapy? Well, thank you for asking. It's, it's very interesting. I started long ago. I was just always intrigued when I was in high school, even, with relationships. 
And I was the kid that if you didn't know how to break up with your girlfriend or you wanted your boyfriend wanted to talk to you, you didn't know what to say, my friends would just come to me and say, what do I say? How do I write it? And so I always just had an intuitive desire to help people handle their troubles, their conflicts, their problems, and to make it better. And so when I got out of, when I was in school, I thought, you know, I'm doing this all the time. Whereas I went, I would talk to people as soon as I heard what was going on. I would try and intervene and give some suggestions and some tips. And relationships have always fascinated me. And so I decided to go ahead and get my training and expertise so that I could professionally offer mm-hmm. the kind of help, not just, you know, shooting from the hip. And, and it's so funny mm-hmm. because now when I'm out to dinner, sometimes, you know, when you're sitting at a, at a table <laughs> and you overhear people sit talking at the next table. And sometimes, I, like I was out one time and I heard this father and daughter talking and he was, you know, he was being the dad and she was being the daughter and he was trying to like see how she was doing and what she was doing. And the conversation was so swiftly going downhill. And all I wanted to do was reach over and say, no, no, no. What you want to say is this, because he's really coming from a caring place. And what you want to say is this, because you want to understand that she's hearing you controlling her and missing that you're just concerned. (laughs) So it's, uh, you know, it's it's just sort of a part of who I am. I get that. I understand. I know. I've reached a point, and it's not always easy. I have this very cute slogan. I just go, mind your business, mind your business. Just don't go there. Mind your business. And I just keep myself quiet because I just have to do what I got to do. I want to talk about your commentary, uh, Shrink Wrap, with, of course, Dr. Jane Greer, which is seen in Psychology Today, Cubits Plus, and on air at Celebrity Page. What can we learn from the trials and triumphs, especially if celebrity relationships, I mean, are they different than the average people? Or is it just well, that being a celebrity amplifies the issues and it becomes global, like what's happening with Meghan and Harry? You said it, exactly. In fact, I just did a, a blog that's in um, Psychology Today and Keep It's Pulse on Meghan and Harry. For that reason, you know, we look up to the celebrities, we admire them, we fantasize about their lives. We all want to be like them, we want a piece of them. There's admiration, there's envy. That's why they make so much money selling perfume, selling clothes, selling a piece of what they endorse because if we wear their clothes or their brand, we are Mm -hmm. like them. We innately take on their essence. And so everybody kind of attributes this power and magic to the lives of a celebrity. And with that being said, it's like the old soap operas. It's very heartening and disheartening when they succeed and when they fall because when they fall and when they stumble – it humanizes them, and more importantly, for the rest of us, it's like, well, if Jennifer Addison's going through this public humiliating divorce, I can get through my divorce. And there's a feeling of, if she can do it, I can do it. And also, there's being able to step back and say, oh, thank God that's not me. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so it, it's a way that people come to terms with their own problems, and take away, like, if they can handle it and they are so successful and so, you know, talented and they still had to go through this, then certainly I can do it. I hope that is the message that gets conveyed to the mass populace because sometimes you also hear them like, oh, my God, look at how fortunate she was, like, for example, Megan. 
I mean, who would have imagined you marry a prince or this? You don't have to worry about being the king. You have an element of freedom, and still it's not enough. And then, you know, they move off, and this is a big story. This is a big story for, for me. I would write the story to ask the question, what is it that our soul needs, even after you've gotten everything you could possibly dream about? Right. And, you know, it's it's interesting because as a clinician, mm-hmm. we always look at family dynamics and how are those family dynamics being replicated and played out. But when you look at his history and her history, there was a lot of tension and discord and yes. rebellion and anger. He certainly had angry behavior on his part, and she had a load of angry, divisive behavior in her family. And pretty much that's what they brought to their union from the, from the point that they got married, from, you know, once the fairy tale was over, the animosity and the hostility and all that negativity that was in her family constellation carried over into her new family. And all right. his anger, you know, continued to, to play out. So it remains, to, it was an excellent question that you asked, and it's very interesting to see it unfold. Like, will it be enough? You know, her father, yes. whose really, his behavior has been questionable and certainly objectionable on many levels. Nonetheless, he said, you know, you marry a prince, you wear a crown, and then you kind of throw it all away. It's, I think people are experiencing a disappointment because they, they, they were so magical, and they, the people did enjoy seeing them and seeing the work yes. that they could do. And the you diversity know, and inclusivity, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so some of the people now are saying, well, they wanted their privacy, but they had certain rules that ensured their privacy under the, you know, the monarch. The royal Are decree, they going yes. to have that? Yeah. It's very fascinating to watch it unfold. Of course, yeah. you know, we all have our private speculation, but... And none of it is valid unless you're living the reality <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> Hollywood's quite an interesting cup of tea. Harvey Weinstein has become a very huge story in what has been happening in Hollywood for decades, for decades, but there's a lot of infidelity that takes place. Is this due to the nature of the work, or is it a reflection of just where we are as a society overall? Back in my day, we barely saw people kissed on television. Now I can't even see a commercial unless two people are nude and trying to do something with each other. So is it just the times that we're in that it just seems okay to just be so open about sex or stuff, or have I just lost a few decades of my journey? I think that's a terrific question, and I think the margins on the page have certainly been widened because, you know, recently at the Golden Globe for the SAG Awards, the show Fleabag just was a clean sweep, won everything, and I finally got a chance to watch it, and it is really graphic. It's all about sex and sexual behavior and sexual positions and sexual language, and it it's really pushed the envelope in terms of sex. And I think infidelity has been a part of our lives and our lifetimes. I mean, for goodness sakes, the, you know, the, uh, the king abdicated the, th- the throne because he was you know, having a relationship and, and there, there's been infidelity over the course of time. But the behaviors that we accept and tolerate are so much broader now that um, we, we look at it and yet we tolerate it more, I think, and are less surprised when it happens. And certainly for celebrities, you know, 
there's a tremendous energy that goes into working and creating and with people mm-hmm. who are working and creating and losing themselves in their past and playing the part of somebody in love and being out of reality in a suspended reality, which is whatever the particular drama is, the movie, the show, and also the changing environment, all of that comes together. Like like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, there's the work and then there's the excitement of the work and sharing it, which is why infidelity is so pronounced in the workplace. You know, you're working on a project with somebody, the passion of the work that you're doing is one step over to turn into actual passion in the bedroom. Dr. Grad, be curious to find out what your thoughts are for this upcoming generation and their role in media. What do you think is the messaging that's going out to them? Are they going to be more open like how it was back in the 60s and then at some point we kind of let that go and ended up kind of saying, well, you know what, I don't really want to keep getting all these diseases. But how do you think their mental state's going to be like in the next 10 years, let's say between the ages of 13 to 25, looking at the media that's out there now, social media, on their Twitter, on their Facebook, on YouTube, on Vimeo. What are your thoughts in terms of their emotional, sexual, spiritual, mental, personal well-being as growing adults? What, what a terrific question. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, that we are going to see a higher level of depression and agitation and discontent and anxiety and low self-esteem because I think the standards and the bar has been raised so high in terms of what people aspire to. Social media places such a premium on what do you have, how great your life is, putting it all out there, gathering your followers. And I think that because of that pressure to present yourself Mm -hmm. and to succeed and the level of competition has become much more intensified than it was, than it has been. And also I think the media itself plays a role in demoralizing and, you know, just cutting people down, devaluing. I mean, that's part of what Megan said was why she couldn't take the media because the level of racism just became so amplified in terms of what she experienced. And I think the bullying that we've seen that goes on, the cyberbullying, and subsequently the, you know, these teenagers who are committing suicide or encouraging their friends to commit suicide, I just think values have gotten somewhat transformed because of the role media has played. Indeed, indeed, you're absolutely right. With all of your years of experience, could you share what you think the primary origin of conflict are in relationships nowadays? I can make it very simple. I think what it comes to, so, okay, there's generically what do people argue over, and that's always going to be money and sex. That Those fundamental needs are what will have couples at each other's throats. But that's the hub of the wheel. And then the spokes of the wheel that come off of that are my needs versus your needs. So whether it's my need to take a trip and your need to put the money in the bank or my need to have sex three times a week and your need to have sex three times a month, it's always about what I want and need versus what you want Mm -hmm. and need. And one person becoming resentful, feeling deprived, feeling controlled, 
feeling angry at the other person. And so it, it's trying to maintain that balance. That's why I wrote the book, What About Me? <laughs> That's know? what I was just about to mention because it mentions a lot about selfishness and there is a lot yeah. of the selfish and narcissistic way of being with each other. Tell us more about the book, Jane. That will be great to hear. Exactly. So the book is called What About Me? Stop Selfishness from Ruining Your Relationship. Yeah. And it's really me. It's a, me, 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 me. What me, about me? Geez, come on. <laughs> to help you look at the role that you have may, may have taken on. Are you the giver? Are you the martyr in the relationship? Are you living with somebody who's a taker or a user? You know, I had a guy who bought the book and he came in and he said to me, I never realized I was a user. I get it. I get why my wife is, you know, so angry with me. And I want to work mm. on it because I want to save my marriage. I don't want this to ruin my marriage. And he never saw it until he read examples of other people who were, you know, simply controlling and taking advantage of and expecting and demanding that their needs be met all the time without any real consideration or recognition of their partner's needs. And, mm. you know, a lot of times if you are that giver and, you know, you are the martyr that you sacrifice your own needs to try and please your partner no matter what, you don't realize that you think the more you do, the more that they'll be able to really become appreciative and start to consider you. And you don't realize that you can never do enough, that there's just mm. no way that you can do enough to please them. Learning that if you're a, you know, if you're a giver, that, mm -hmm. you know, people start to feel that they're selfish if they express their needs or assert their needs. And in my book, I call it selfness, that you have to develop a sense of self and feel that you have a right to getting your needs met and that it's yes. healthy to have selfness. It's not selfish because otherwise you perpetuate living with a controller and being controlled. So as we come to a close to our wonderful conversation, and please could you come back for part two, because I know timing I is of essence for you. The balancing act, because when is it for me and when is it for them? How do I work on balancing that out at a very subtle level where it starts first with my thoughts and then observation of my behavior? Can you leave us with a point for us to take away from this conversation? How do I help myself to balance out when it's selfless versus selfish? Terrific question. And I think the way to do that is to always to think about your partner and consider them in your equation of what you're doing for yourself. So that, for example, if you need a half an hour to take a walk or take a nap or get your nails done and you have a new infant and you haven't had time and you say, oh, that's selfish, I, I can't stop, to say, you know what, if I get this time and I do this, I'm going to be replenished and have more energy. And so my partner, I want them to understand that, that by looking after our baby for a half an hour, they're doing it for me, they're doing it for us, they're doing it for our child. So it's always considering what you're looking to do for yourself, the impact it will have on your partner, and if it's reasonable to expect them to be able to compromise or give something up one time so that you can have your needs, knowing that in the next instance you'll compromise and give something up for them, but that it's not always you being the one who sacrifices.
the balance is learning to bring the compromise into your relationship so that you sidestep or we sacrifice it. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Leave us with a website, and you've got to come back for part two, okay? Oh, thank you. I would love that. My website is www.drjanegreer.com, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter as well. So thank you so much, and it's a pleasure, and I would love to come back. Same here. All the best to you. Take care. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Wonderful conversation. I really wanted to talk with her longer. Time limits are such, huh? But in the world up above, it can be unlimited. Wonderful thoughts. Do you see that? There's so much happening in us, and there's such an opportunity for us now to build, to grow, to learn, to become a better version of ourselves. And again, I think, like Doctor said, you know, we've got to find a way to make the compromise work in a way that it isn't so selfishly driven all the time, that we don't have to be so selfish and so narcissistic about the way we choose to relate to one another. It starts from within yourself. Yeah, that's the key, I tell you. No matter how much I've done for what I think I've done for others, deep down there was always an element that I really wanted this to be done for myself too. There was a little bit of selfishness there. So each time you've got to keep revising it, keep revising it. Look, why don't you all go out and get a copy? What about me? Stop selfishness from ruining your relationships by Dr. Jane Greer. And if you want more information on her wonderful relationship commentary shrink wrap with Dr. Jane Greer, go and check her out. And that's D-R-Jane, J-A-N-E, Greer, G-R-E-E-R.com. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And really are here to love each other the same. Let's do that. Remember to pause every hour and hour for your traffic control. 30 seconds. 30 seconds of silence just to send peace to your own system, to your environment, and to every living being on the planet. Here's free of attachments from Inclusion Revolution. Take care, everyone. Be well. All the best. What if I no longer carried any attachments? Attachments about who I think I am or how someone else perceives me or attachment to my country or my gender, attachment to a religion. What would it be like to be free of attachments to labels? and to simply be loving. So just for a little while, I invite you to let go of attachments. What if I was no longer attached to my name? How does it feel? Let go of your attachment to your gender. You're no longer a man or a woman. Let go of your titles, let go of your nationality, and experience yourself letting go of even your religion. Now let go of your body. If I don't have a name, a gender, a title, a nationality, a religion, 
or body. Then who would I think of? And who would think of me? It would be the Supreme Being that would think of me. And I would think of the Supreme. In this meditation, I invite you to sit in an experience of unlimited freedom in real inner power. Now gradually observe how the soul feels back on the awareness of the body, nationality, the religion, the title, the gender, and the name. And bring through these labels your experience of being with the divine and feeling I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.